Last Sunday was Easter Sunday, right? Do you see any difference? We brought in chairs last week. Now, let me explain something to you. There are those in our world that have two special occasions that they do attend church. That's Christmas and Easter, okay? So you're going to get some of those. Last week was an incredible time for baptism, was it not? Nine people being baptized, generational baptism. You got to love it. At least I love it. I hope you do as well. So that explains some more of our attendance. But I really believe that we have a responsibility to do something about that. In fact, if you will turn your Bibles or on your devices to Matthew 28, you're going to find what the Bible has to say about that. The disciples are now with Christ. He has been killed, buried, and he rose again. And now he's back with them, and in doing so, he gives them this commission. It's called the Great Commission. The 11 disciples, I'm in verse 16, sorry, chapter 28. The 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. Now, let's be very careful here to understand who these guys are. They are not perfect, okay? Because sometimes when we're being asked to do something by God, we somehow get this impression that, oh, we just got to have everything perfect. Now, don't misunderstand me. There's some things we need to take care of, and we'll mention those today. But these guys, all these guys, ran when Jesus was arrested and when he was crucified. And only one of them showed up at the crucifixion. And then it says in the same verse, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. You see, these guys were not perfect. One, they had abandoned him, and two, even though he is resurrected and they're there with him, they're still doubtful that this stuff is real. So to remind all of us, we have this opportunity to share the reality of Christ, but we have to work through the things ourselves. And the first one, the very first thing we have to work through is, do we know him personally? That's the first thing. If we do not know him personally, we're not going to get any farther than that. It's hard to introduce someone to someone you don't know. And so when we know Christ, we're able to introduce him. But look what Jesus says. He spoke to them and he says, all authority. Can somebody please translate that word all? Yeah, that's all. Okay. 
That means all authority. Look, all authority has been given to me. That's Jesus talking in heaven and on earth. With that being the case, all authority. Jesus says, all authority. Here's what I want you to do. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we witnessed last week. The baptism in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then what is discipleship? Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. How long? Till the end of the age. Okay, maybe I'm wrong, but it appears we may have a disconnect somewhere. Jesus Christ, the Son of God who gave his life so we could have life and have it not only abundantly but eternally, has now said to every believer, does everybody get that? Every believer. Who, who is this scripture for? Every believer. Are you one of them? Okay, every believer, right? So what is every believer to do if they're following this commission and command that Jesus gives? Be making disciples. Should we do raise of hands? Should we say, if you're here and you're making disciples, raise your hand? Huh? Should we do that? See, we don't do those things because, oh, but pastor, that's going to embarrass somebody. Maybe it's time we did. We've done such a poor job. Maybe it's time for us to begin to get embarrassed a little bit, if that's what it's going to take, for us to get the reality that we have a world of people. Listen to me carefully. We have a world of people who are dying and going to hell. Now, If you don't believe in a literal hell, I'm not sure what I can do with you. In fact, I don't think it's my responsibility to do anything with you. Other than ask you to read the Bible and see what God has to say about it. I believe in a literal hell. I also believe in a literal heaven. I'm going there. Why? Because I'm a pastor. No. Because I'm good looking. No. Because I'm super intelligent. No. Because I'm tall. No. There's only one reason that I'm going to heaven to spend eternity with him. And that is the blood that Jesus Christ shed on Calvary that covers my sin. That's it. That's it. So why, why are we not doing what we are told to do? It's not new news. If you've been in this building more than two or three times, you know that somebody has said to you, it is our responsibility to make disciples. And by the way, when we talk about making disciples, that does not mean converting people to your opinion. Everybody got that? We all have an opinion. Most of them don't count. Because if our opinion is anything other than what God has taught us through this in the work of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, don't leave the Holy Spirit out anywhere in here because there is no way we can. In fact, turn to Acts 1, if you would please. 
And let's just finish this commission that Jesus gave to his apostles and disciples there on the mountain. We're coming back to Matthew, but here's what it says. And when they had all come together, I'm in verse 6, I'm sorry. (laughs) Remember I told you these guys weren't perfect? Lord, is it time? Now, they've heard the Great Commission. They've been told for three years what he's going to do and how he's going to leave them. But still in their minds, they're still looking for what? An earthly kingdom. So what do they say? Is it time that you restore the kingdom of Israel? Is it time for you to... Bring back the glory of Israel under under David's reign, under Solomon's reign. Is this the time, God? They're still thinking here and now. They're still thinking temporal. They're still thinking material. And Jesus says, It's not for you to know the time, nor the season which the Father has fixed by his own authority. Verse 8, if you've not memorized it, put it on your list to memorize. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remote parts of the earth. Now, again, the question. We've been commanded with a commission We have been empowered by the Holy Spirit, but yet it is still not being done. Because this is not the only church building in Chester County that has empty seats today. Just letting you know. That's not an excuse. It's an observation. In fact, if all the seats in every church in Chester County were filled up, it would still be only a small portion of the population of our community in which we live with our families and our friends who do not know the Christ that we know. So the question is why? So this morning we have a wonderful young couple, Brent and Renee Beam, if you guys will come down, please. And they're going to share some of their journey. And you're going to see how this fits together in just a few moments. And I'm not sure who's going to go first. Probably you. Okay. Well, in that case, it's probably you. Go right ahead. Except he grabbed the mic. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Good, good job, Brent. Okay. Let me, let me preface. Okay. She's going to give you details. But for those who may not know... Brent was in a serious motorcycle accident, and that's why he's wearing the wonderful headgear that he is, uh, because they still haven't replaced the bone in his skull. And so he is protecting his brain by wearing this helmet. So, and this was how many weeks ago? Yeah, six weeks. There you go. Okay, I'm sorry. Then I just want to get for everybody to get the preface of that. Okay, go for it. Uh, yeah, so on uh, February 28th, um, I was at a birthday party. I had taken Luca um, to one of his friend's parties, and um, our friend Katie had called 
her husband, Matt, they lived down the street, had um, called her and let her know that Brent was in a dirt bike accident. Um, he had left Matt and Katie's house and was on the way home, which is only probably, it's not far, some yards. Um, and so he had wrecked his dirt bike before he got home, and the helicopter was flying in um, and was going to land in our neighborhood. So um, I left look at the party, came home, uh, or went towards the neighborhood. When I got there, they had decided not to do that <coughs> helicopter. They didn't want to wait on it any longer. Um, and they were transferring him by ambulance to Piedmont. Um, so I uh, went ahead, got up to Piedmont, um, and wasn't there very long, maybe an hour, when they realized there really wasn't much they could do, um, that they wanted to send Brent to Charlotte, where they have a trauma unit, uh, or a trauma team. Um, so go up to Charlotte. Um, no one tells us anything for a while, so he had finally, um, over the course of hours, the um, surgeon came out and said that they had, that he had a um, subdural hematoma and some other medical stuff, I can't remember, um, but basically a very severe brain bleed, and that uh, they had stopped the bleed, and they had left the bone flap out on the right side to give the brain some room to swell, um, and that that would that's just kind of how the brain heals itself. So um, we didn't get to, uh, or the doctor that night, sorry, let me look at my notes. The doctor that night had told me that um, he would likely not wake up for five days, that that was kind of typical for these injuries. Um, it let me back up to say that the people that we've talked to since the accident, um, uh, Scott, Matt, some people that were there really didn't know if Brent would live or die, that it, it was that, that severe. Um, the people that saw him kind of thought that he would uh, not, maybe not make it. So fast forward, the doctor comes out of the surgery and tells us that he probably wouldn't wake up for five days. Um, so this is the doctor speaking, and I, if you could see my notes, I kind of have Scott on one side and the doctor on the <laughs> other side. <laughs> So the doctor said he wouldn't wake up probably for five days. Um, the following day, March 1st, Brent woke up and followed one neurological command. Um, two days after that, so we're still in our five-day window, um, Brent came off the ventilator. The following day, he spoke his first words and passed his swallow test. Um, and then on the fifth day, March 5th, he sat on the side of the bed with assistance. Um, so all those things happened within the five-day window where we didn't even think that he would be awake at the time. Um, so then on that same day, March 5th, this is in the doctor column, physical therapy came and suggested to me after meeting with Brent, because um, he couldn't really do much, they had to assist him in most of everything, um, that I should try to get him in the Shepherd Center in Atlanta for his best option of coming home and being able to do some basic function. Um, that was on March 5th. That's in the doctor column. On March 6th, uh, Brent left the ICU and walked down the hallway almost unassisted. And then on March 10th, we left the hospital. And every day between the 6th and the 10th, he would walk, maybe do some stairs, some squats. Um, so we knew at that time we didn't, we didn't need to go to Atlanta. Um, 
on the 10th, he left the hospital and went to rehab. Um, and the paperwork said we'd be there for 14 days. And so three days later on the 13th, we left rehab with no outpatient rehab appointments required. Um, and so that's kind of the end of our medical, or not the end, but we came home without the bone flap. Um, we, act, we actually go this Tuesday to our first neurology appointment to see how that um, is going and when we can get that back in or how or what. Um, and so the only other thing I had written down that I wanted to mention that I found out later, um, a friend had told me, I, I believe from Tracy, is that the morning of um, Brent's accident, it was on that Sunday that Luca was in Kids Jam, and uh, they always ask for prayers if you've ever been in there, and that he, Luca had asked for prayers that morning prior to the accident because his dad had been in a dirt bike accident. Um, so I just wanted to mention Did that. you guys get that? The four-year-old is asking for prayer for something that hasn't happened yet, but was going to happen and did happen that afternoon. Um, so just kind of tying into the message, for me, I, I, my family's been on a journey over the past, uh, even before the accident, over the past year, and I always kind of tell Brent, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm tired of being front page newspaper, because in a small town, you're always on the front page if somebody's talking about you. Um, but kind of tying into the message where uh, I guess it's okay to be front page because you can use it. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, you know, if people are going to watch one way or the other, at least do something with what they're watching. Amen. Uh, Y'all work with me because I'm not as good as a speaker as she is. <laughs> the voice goes in and out. You'll do fine. <clears throat> but, um, you know, I received a, a ton of blessings in such a short amount of time. Um, not only was it the gift of continued life or healing, but it was bringing me out of my shell. Um, you know, prior to this, to the accident, you couldn't tie me to the back of the truck and bring me up here to speak about anything. <laughs> it just wasn't happening. I was just totally shot. Um, but the only memory that I have in the ICU is waking up and asking the doctor if he believed in God. And to me, that's, that's major. And I would never spoke out like that. Right. So I know that I have a purpose. And whatever it is, I'm going to fulfill. You know, it's always good to share good news. You never know who it can inspire or even give hope. So it's, it's been a journey. I still have some road ahead, but it's a blessing that I'm here and that we're able to share my story. All right, so let me ask you a question, not putting words in your mouth, but based on our conversation pre previously, you're being shy, not willing to, not willing to share, mm -hmm. but you said you weren't sure about people's reactions if you did share, and that's why you didn't, right? right. Okay. You guys get that? He wasn't sure about people's reactions, and so that's why he didn't share. Anybody here? Same boat? Okay. All right, we're going to talk about it. Thank you, guys. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your incredible touch upon Brent's life, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and Renee's life as well, and Luca, and this whole family. And God, let this testimony of your presence and your work and your grace go throughout the land as the good news of who our God is and how he works. We praise you, praise you, praise you in Christ's holy name. Amen. Thank you, guys. <laughs>
So that's one reason. And that's why I'd asked. They were, they were wanting to share at a time anyway. And, and Brennan talked to me about being shy, not willing to share with others. But in the hospital, asking everybody about their relationship with Christ. And that's the way we all should be all the time. We should all be about what is it that God has for me to do in the life of this person, whoever they may be, and whatever circumstances they may be in. Remember, we have been commissioned, we've been commanded to do exactly what God's told us to do, to make disciples, and making disciples means telling them what we know. You say, well, I don't know enough. You never will. (laughs) You'll never know it all. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. But you share what you do know with others because that's what God has been doing in your life and you do it from his word. Now, there's some other things that can get in the way. One of the words that has, I guess, broken my heart through the years is the word hypocrite. You know what that is? That's somebody who says there's something, but they're not. It's the idea of wearing a mask, pretending, being an actor. So it's easy for us, or it should be easy for us, to be in here on any given Sunday with the wonderful people who are in the room and talk about how wonderful and how amazing our God is. But the real question is, how are we when we are not here with one another and we're with those friends out there or those family members, what does our life look like? What does our language sound like? What does our conduct present? One You cannot share the reality of Christ with another person unless you personally know Christ. If you are here and you are even concerned about whether or not you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, let me ask you to do this, please. Do not leave the building today without coming and talking to one of us. Chris and Frank, you're up here. Dean and Andrew are over here. Uh, Jeremy and Ashley. We have people right up front, scattered throughout the building, obviously. But any of us would be more than happy to share with you to be sure, to be sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Many people have been in church for many years and somehow have truly missed what it is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because here's the deal. When you truly come to know Christ, your life begins a transformation process. The ultimate goal, objective is that we will be like Christ. And in the time frame in between, we're being made like Christ in the process. And so as I mentioned some of the things that can hinder us in being a witness, if we are presenting a hypocritical life and lifestyle, like our language, profanity, you say, oh, but everybody does it. No, they don't. I don't do it. And here's the thing. I used to do it. 
In fact, for those who don't know my testimony, I prided myself that, that I could out curse all 200 and other 40, 49 crew members on my ship. It was a point of pride. I had the worst mouth on the ship. Now, that's not the best point of pride anybody should have, but it was mine. You know, when you don't have a lot of achievements, you look for the ones that you can. And I'm telling you, Jesus wasn't putting up with that in my life after I came to know him. And you think, well, you're just picking on that. No, I'm not. I'm I'm letting you know when, when people of the world listen to you and you don't sound any different than they do, they're not going to listen very long. When your conduct, it's going to be hard for you to share the reality of Christ with somebody you're getting drunk with or somebody you're running around with or whatever it is that is contrary to the word of God. Because the world, isn't it amazing? The world knows more about what that standard is than we do, apparently. That just blows my mind. You say, but how is that even possible? It's only possible through the Holy Spirit. We've made that very clear. No one ever stands in this pulpit and says to you, you got to do this on your own. No, you can't do it on your own. You can only do it through the power and work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That is the only possible way it can be done. You cannot live the Christian life without Christ in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And those things in your life that are contrary to his word, then you let the Holy Spirit of God take those truths and work them into your life so that that can be taken care of and dealt with in very intentional ways. I've been at this, you guys know, the other Sunday, 50 years as a Christian. And I'm still mind-boggled and how the Spirit of God will work in my life and dredge up something thinking, really, really, did I not get rid of that years ago? How in the world did I let that slide by? But that's how much he loves me. He won't let me get by. And so when we present our witness, our testimony to someone else, there has to be an integrity about what our life is. And you can think people don't know. I can tell you right now, they do. People are watching our lives. Praise God. I want them to watch my life. And when I mess up, it's my responsibility to tell them I was wrong. But we have to have an integrity about our lives. And there's a, I don't want to call it a phenomenon but an observation that I'm seeing now, and it, it was there before, but the pandemic seemingly has brought it to a, a higher level of revelation or appearance or whatever. So in the Christian world, because you, you guys understand, as a pastor, I deal primarily with Christians. I found these two things happening, and they're getting worse. One is we are so doggone sensitive 
Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? Somebody say something to us. And it's like, the world just ended. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, you know what they, they said to me? They told me I was fat. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, we just celebrated Easter, is on the cross. And he looks out to the people who accused him falsely, who planned it, who carried it out, nailing him to the cross. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Oh, it's, it's today, it's like, you know, there's, it, I got to tell you, I am blown away at where we've come to as a world and how much of us as Christians have been sucked into that. We're, you know, you got to be politically correct. You got to say it this way. Don't say it that way. Are you kidding me? We're the change agents, people. We're the ones who are to change that. So we don't walk around all thin-skinned. Oh, they hurt my feelings. Well, suck it up, cupcake. Come on. But the other one is this. We're so sensitive for ourselves, but we're insensitive toward other people. You, you can't. You cannot see this and not know that the enemy is affecting his strategy of dividing the brethren. That's what it's about. Have you read Proverbs 6, the seven things that God hates? One of them is those who bring disharmony or division in community. And by the way, it doesn't matter whose name's on it. God says, I hate that. Now, there's six other things. We're not talking about those today, but that's one of them. So think about this. We have a world out there living in darkness, dying and going to hell for eternity. And we're all about, they hurt my feelings. (laughs) Really? 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 Is that how we want to live? Now, is it wrong to hurt somebody's feelings? Of course it is. But these are some things. When the world looks at the church and how we treat one another can often determine whether or not they're willing to listen to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, back to my personal testimony. The thing that hindered me, that, praise God, he got me past, that hindered me from coming to know Christ, on a ship of 250 men, we had two men who professed to know Jesus, and they were both hypocrites. One of them would lie to get himself out of trouble, and the other one was as lazy as on get out. Now, these were men in critical ratings. It wasn't like these were just, you know, deckhands doing the stuff. These guys have gone through a lot of 
psychological, mental training, capacity to be in the place they're in. And yet here they are, the two guys who profess to know Christ on our ship of 250. One will lie and the other's lazy. Because here I'm telling you, one, we always, we was, we must always tell the truth. And see, growing up, I was a great liar. I was an accomplished liar. And the Spirit of God had to break that off me. Now, lazy never was. My dad made sure of that. But if we go to your workplace, or even better, why don't we go to one another's homes? Say, how are we doing in here, folks? Or, or maybe we could just put cameras with audio in your house and show it for Jesus next Sunday. Isn't it time we saw the need? of the people that we live with and live around. But isn't it it even more timely that we would read the scripture that says, by Jesus, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, what's that word go mean? What's it mean? Yeah. That ain't sitting on your butt at home, okay? Go. Now, don't misunderstand. I know you can use technology. I'm not against that. Many people do that, do it well, much better than I do. But go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And listen to this, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and I'm with you till the end of the age. And then back to Acts 1, he says, Wait until you receive power. How did that happen for us? Well, we're on this side of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's already come. The Holy Spirit comes into our life at the moment of salvation. Now, we can grieve him and quench him. We can prevent him from being or accomplishing what he's supposed to accomplish because he is a gentleman and he doesn't beat us up and push us around. But when we let him have his way, the witness and testimony for Christ will go forth. And look what it says in Jerusalem. That'd be Chester. In Judea, South Carolina, Samaria, the United States, and all the world. So what's the word today? Go. Just go. Go in Jesus' name. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit, one, to give you the courage to not be concerned about whether or not people are going to be offended because some people will be offended. Always make sure you do it in love, though, because they know. If you're coming, looking at them like, you dirty, rotten sinner, you. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Yeah, that'll, that'll go over really, really well. No, when you love them, You'll be compelled by the Spirit of God to share with them the reality of your Christ. But asking to put people in front of you, and I can promise you, I can promise you, He will.
He will. It may be another Christian to encourage. It may be someone who doesn't know Christ. That needs to hear the good news. And and by the way, you may not be the one to harvest. You may plant the seed. You may get to water or cultivate that seed in that person's life. But God brings the harvest. So we let him be that. Would you all stand with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so very, very much that we have in you, Lord Christ, everything for life and godliness. We're not missing anything. Our world has more and more turned away from you, God. And so now, would you, Holy Spirit, work at least in our lives. We know you're working in other lives, as the song we had a while ago. Even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it, we know that you're working. And so thank for working in us and letting us be those who are the light and the witness and the testimony of the reality of you, Lord Christ, as we leave this building to our families, to our friends, to our co-workers, to our neighbors, those people that you put in our lives, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Holy Spirit, for just bringing to the surface that testimony. And as you're working in our lives, anything that's contrary to you, Father, whatever it is, whatever it is that might be hindering someone else from coming to you, Lord Christ, whatever it is, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for breaking it off in Christ's name. Amen.